thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Um, I wanted to, I figured we start off, dude, why don't you give a little rundown of like who you are and like your racing and your Palmares, like whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm Brody Sanderson. I'm a anything with two wheels racer from Aurelia, Ontario. Um, I'm 22 years old, so I'm first year elite now in cyclocross, which is a bit weird feeling after not racing for a couple of years. <laughs> Big jump from like a second year under 23, but uh, oh well. Uh, and yeah, I've been a cross-country mountain bike racer most of my life. I've dabbled in a little bit of enduro and a lot of cyclocross as well. Um, and kind of transitioning from cross-country into enduro and um, cross, just that's more enjoyable and kind of what I like. Uh, and then as far as Palmeiras go, uh, I was the junior national champion of Canada uh, as an under 19 and then came second at Canada Summer Games the same year. So that was pretty cool. Uh, under 23 Canada Summer Games, sorry. So That's yeah. awesome, dude. Yes. My two biggest highlights of my uh, so far short racing career. That's amazing, man. And I saw also um you you do some you have done some road racing i mean at least i was checking you out on like road results which i'm sure with it being mostly a u.s site it doesn't really have everything but um do you, do you still do some road races here and there um not as of late i really want to get back into some crit racing i always okay. like the kind of like sketchiness vibe reminds me a lot of cross <laughs> um but yeah i did um was that speed week in like in carolina area yeah, I was. I saw something in like 2016, and I saw that you did like Green Mountain Stage, or was it? Maybe it wasn't 2016, but you did Green Mountain Stage race some year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've done Green Mountain Stage race twice, and a few other little like race series just with the Ontario cycling team. So sweet. Kind of mix it up. Don't. It's nice to kind of take skills from other disciplines and mix it into what you like. Trying to be For more sure. well-rounded athletes, pretty cool. Um, dude, what I wanted to say was when you're, you're talking about like XC racing, um, I'm going to link your Instagram for sure. Everyone should check you out, but dude, your videos you have on Instagram, like those, when you have the camera on your chest, they're amazing when you're ripping down the trails on your mountain bike. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah, those are awesome. And, uh, everyone should check those out. But, um, so yeah, dude, so you and I met at Rochester, uh, earlier this year, a couple, couple weeks ago, or I guess it was like, that's a month ago now. Um, and like we're sitting, we're sitting in the corral uh, to get to, for our call ups. And I, I think you, I don't know if you said hi to me first or if I said hi to you. I think you probably did because I was just like super, super nervous. And I, you were just like, going racing, man. <laughs> um, and then I think I told you this because we chatted after the race. So I think I had a better call up than you because it was random on day one. Mm-hmm. And like I was like bleeding out of my eyes on that first lap. And I remember like we got to like, going into double trouble which anyone who doesn't know the rochester course it's like this weird like left-hand turn like right like up with like a ledge i don't even know how to explain it and then like a drop on the other side it's like a pretty it's like a narrow section and you were already in front of me and you were off your bike i think i don't know what happened i think you dropped your chain or something yeah i dropped my chain i didn't set the bike I'm, I'm, so i was borrowing a bike from a buddy and my like main bike kind of like didn't work just due to negligence to my own repairs didn't have the B tension set up right, dropped my chain on that like super fast straight. And I was like, ah, yeah. this is not the time. <laughs> and, and dude, and obviously you had an amazing start. Like what I, ultimately what I'm getting at is like you had an amazing start. And then like, I'm like, oh my God, how did this guy get in front of me already? And then you finished like whatever, 25 spots in front of me or something. Um, and I was like, oh dude, this dude, 
like he's a super nice guy and he's like super good at racing um so then we chatted a little bit afterwards uh, and i was like dude and then i know you're doing the world cups which i want to talk about and i was like this guy would be great uh he knows what he's doing and um yeah i just kind of wanted to pick your brain about just kind of cross racing and your training and you know all that stuff yeah for sure yeah i wouldn't say i'm like the most knowledgeable i just kind of go with the flow and see what happens but sometimes it's the easiest and best way in my opinion well dude what you're doing is working man yeah <laughs> so um, far at least so so dude you're 22 years old you're a young guy uh my first question is so what, what are your goals man and are they in cycling yeah um actually i had a good chat with my coach about this uh, a few days ago in uh, in a perfect world i'd love to be paid to do this um not saying i want to be like a matthew vanderpoel or a nino Scherter or a sagan any of those guys who are making some mega bucks but realistically i just want to make enough to ride my bike and, and see how well I can do. And um, yeah, no like real performance goals. I always get, feel pigeonholed with those. So for sure, man, I feel yeah. you there, but like you have the ultimate goal and like you have your tra trajectory and you're on it, man. And um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, from, I, I did like a bunch of research. I like, checking you out on like cyclocross 24 and all your past seasons and stuff. And dude, you just got like better and better. And like, this is your first season racing the, the full elite. Um, so like, what's that been like, man? And especially you jumped right into the three world cups here. Like what's, what's the, the season so far been like for you? And, and would you consider it a success or so far? Yeah. So, so far I'd consider it a, a, a success um, in Canada, at least racing has been pretty minimal. There's been a lot of like time trial starts and, and stuff like that, um, at least this year. But beyond that, there's been no real racing. I think there was like three mountain bike Canada cups, but again, nothing, nothing serious. So jumping just kind of straight into the fire in, in Rochester, just to kind of see how things went, get my toes wet again, make sure this is actually what I still love doing after a few years off. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it's been a, a huge success, bit of um, inconsistency, I'd say jumping around a lot in terms of placing and, and performance results, but really really happy overall with uh how the season's gone so far that's awesome dude i did i did some math i averaged out your results for the three world cups 30.66 repeating dude that's like your your average result dude that's amazing man that that's like so impressive man oh thank you yeah i honestly wasn't really expecting that i kind of like rochester just kind of like started I was like ah let's let's see how it goes i'm here i think of myself as like a part-time bike racer <laughs> so just like enjoy it for what it is and, and see what happens. So yeah, I was super happy with that. That's awesome, man. So let me ask you this in regards to racing the world cups. Like mm -hmm. I know for like USA cycling the qualifications um, is like UCI points and there's some other stuff and it goes into like discretionary choices and stuff. What's it like in like, what, what did you have? Were there qualifications to get on and race the world cups for Canada? So Canada, at least at this point, is a little bit interesting. There's not a huge um, cyclocross scene just because it's not a, an Olympic sport. So there's really minimal funding. Um, so most people just stick to cross country just because there's more funding from uh, Cycling Canada. Um, so that kind of led into the, the qualifications too, since there's not many racers. It was mostly just kind of coach's discretion based on whether you were a development athlete in previous years or the coach just liked you or if you actually wanted to race as an elite man. Uh, I know the women's field was a little bit different just because there were 
excuse me, sorry, a ton of people who wanted to go. Um, but men's was just kind of like, yeah, yeah, I want to race. Let's see how this goes. That's awesome though, dude. And then, but you're there getting top 30, you know, mm-hmm. averaging 30th. And dude, you're, you're ahead of a bunch of us guys who awesome racers, but I'm saying who went through the whole qualification. So I think that kind of, uh, solidifies and verifies that like you are qualified to be there, like without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is always nice. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, what about did the, so the UCI point shake up, I don't think, cause you were going up to elite. So it, if they hadn't erased the, the, the point thing was, and I, I know you know this, but like they erased all the points going into the season. Right. Yeah. Um, but so did you, ha- I think you had points before, but would they have carried over from U19 to, or U23 rather into elite? So I, I honestly don't think I had any points just cause my last, um, my last race was well outside of that 12 month period. Okay. I think, um, the Zolder World Cup in 2019 would have been my last UCI okay. race that I got points at. Um, so I was starting at zero regardless of that, that shakeup. Gotcha. So, and I know at Rochester, you had the random, just the random drawings. Um, same with, with Charm City. Mm-hmm. How does the staging work? Because like I did like this, I did a podcast breaking down like, it's just super confusing. And I don't know if like you have wrapped your head around all this. How did the staging work? when you went to the world cups? So I, I was just last row basically. Okay. <laughs> um, but there was like just shy 50 starters. So you're like fifth, maybe sixth row. It's not like Rochester's what, like 12 rows or something yeah. like that. So you're not that far back at the end of the day. Um, and even with the points, like since everyone in the race was had points and was getting points from those races, it didn't really change any of the standings moving forward unless you were like a gauge hack who went from like 15 points to coming 13th in um, Waterloo or wherever he finished. So. Gotcha. Yeah. And did you, and you get you just for doing the race, you get UCI points, right? Isn't that how it works for the world cups? Yeah. I, I can't remember exactly how it worked works at least this year, but in previous years, I know um, if you finished as in didn't DNF, you got five points, top 50 was 10. And then you got an extra point for each position you were um, ahead up, of up from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome, man. So that's great news for the rest of your season. Do you and do you have the rest of your season kind of outlined? You know, like where you're going. I know. I know you had said you're you, you're going to do some European races, which you've done in the past. Yeah. Do you have your calendar kind of like spread out or detailed? Yeah, I've got like a, a vague idea of what I want to do. Um, I'm, I think we're going to go to Falmouth. That is really rad. I think is what it's called. So for do sure. the, the couple of C2s there and then um, head uh, over to Canadian Nationals in Langford, BC, Pan Ams, a um, couple of weeks off, and then hopefully head over for like the Namur World Cup and that kind of curse period. Awesome, man. And, and then World Championships, hopefully hopefully after that as well. Awesome. Yeah, I wanted, I wanted to ask you about World Champs. I guess we'll get there because I want to know what your feelings on the course when you were in at Fayetteville. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'll be at, I'll see you at really rad, man. I'll be there. Um, Sick. I'm looking forward to that. Um, are you, will you do some like local races too? Like, but you had said there, maybe there isn't really much going on. Yeah. So it, this year for cross is they're doing more and more. Um, it was just like the, basically the four weekends in October were the only weekly or local cross racing. So with um, the other big races happening in the States, I wasn't able to do any of them or up to this point, at least. 
I believe in not this upcoming weekend, but the weekend after is provincials. Um, so I'll probably do that and just um, catch up with people who I haven't seen in a while at the race and have a good time and awesome man kind of support like the local um, cycling community. I think that's really important, especially with developing athletes. I know when I was younger, it was always cool seeing all the fast guys racing World Cups at provincial level races and made me want to do more. So nice to kind of be in, in that position now that I'm a little older. That's great, dude. Yeah, I'm sure people are stoked. I'm sure they're asking you the same questions that I'm going to ask you, you know, like, <laughs> all this stuff. What was it like? All this. That, that's really cool, man. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So let's jump into the, the World Cups, man. I got a bunch of stuff to talk to you about. But OK, so, so for people who are unaware, there was a World Cup race in Wisconsin, Waterloo, Wisconsin, on October 10th, which is a Sunday. Then there was a World Cup three days later in Fayetteville. Um, on Wednesday, and then four days later on the, that Sunday in Iowa City, which was Jingle Cross. So, dude, that's just like so much traveling and like so much logistics. And then the racing on top of that, which you're going against the best guys in the world. Um, yeah, I don't know. Open ended question, dude. How, how did you like go about like tackling that? So, uh, I'm not always the most organized, before I say anything, I'm not the most organized human being most of the time. And uh, as this year, I've been working way too much and I haven't given myself enough time to plan anything in my life. Um, anyways, with that being said, I was planning on doing the races with a, a good friend, Jen Jackson. Um, so we we're going to split travel, um, accommodation, stuff like that. And she kind of had a, a good idea of what we were going to do. I didn't have to touch anything. I was like, this is awesome. This is going to be a super easy trip. Life's good. And then she had needed to take a bit of a break from racing after a long um, cross-country World Cup calendar, which is fine. And I was like, oh, I got lots of time. It's like September 10th. I'll, I'll book it. And I got an email from the, the UCI at like 7 o'clock in the morning saying, oh, we need all of your um, um, hotels or wherever you're going to stay at for the races so we can do like anti-doping and stuff like that. And it's due tonight at midnight. It's like, oh no. Oh, like, I had to leave for work at like 8.40 in the morning. I'd just gotten back from a training ride at eight o'clock. So I just panic booked a whole bunch of hotels. and was like, I'll figure it out later. Doesn't, doesn't matter. So just absolute cluster of, of booking hotels like 10 minutes before work. And so that was kind of how the trip started. <laughs> what, what, so did you, did you end up staying in the, all those hotels that you booked in that window? Yeah, so I have a really bad memory too. So all I could remember is that I booked somewhere, but I didn't actually remember what I booked. Dude. So they were all just like these super like cheap and dirty motels, like in these semi sketchy parts of town. I was like, I got to every, almost every single one of them, and it's like, where? What am I doing here? Like, I, I don't want to leave anything anywhere. It was just these oh, super cheap, janky places. <laughs> but oh well, makes well, for a good adventure. You know, but you know what, dude, it's a learning experience, right? Now, you know, going into next year, you know? Yeah, exactly. I know that I can save money and survive in all these hotels. <laughs> there you go. Okay. That's a, that's an even better way of looking at it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, dude, like with the, with the anti-doping and stuff, like that's something like all those logistics, like letting the UCI know, those are all the things that like people don't think about, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And what about um, uh, like nutrition and stuff too? Do you... Are you like pretty specific on that? Like you pack your own stuff, like grocery shop, or are you kind of like an eat out person? How did you balance that? Um, so I, I tried to do a lot of like cooking and stuff in the hotel, just like a little cooktop I got when I was in school. 
um, which makes it super easy and fairly cheap just through like one pan meals. So I was loving quesadillas on this trip. So nice. almost every meal is just a simple little quesadilla. And then after races, this don't listen to this. This is really bad advice, but I love like just some super cheap fast food. It's like a Big Mac <laughs> meal or like something like that. Just Dude, you're going to get some comments on this for sure. <laughs> oh, I'm, my excuse. I've um a couple of my quote unquote teammates are um doctors. Like, yeah, it's the easiest, fastest way to get like all your sugars, your um your fats and your sodium back in you. I, I'm just gonna agree with that. I'm not gonna question it. But also, dude, I think the excuse is everyone's gonna be like, ah, he's 22, man, and he's getting 30th place. Like, whatever he's doing, it's all right. No, the, this guy is like an ultra. He used to be an ultra marathon runner, like 24 okay. hour racer. He's like in his mid forties and this is his advice. So nice. He's gonna, yeah. Anyways, there you go, dude. All right, cool. Nice dude. Who knows? Maybe, maybe in the next time we talk, we'll be like, dude, everyone's the nutrition advice has changed. Everyone's hitting on McDonald's after all their races now. <laughs> that big Mac sauce is just making them fast. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. All right, dude. That's interesting, man. I feel like I asked that question to a lot of people and like, it's always like various answers, you know? Um, that I think, but more often than not, I get like the cooktop in the hotel room is usually stationary or usually like what people go with. Um, all right. Yeah, man. So let's, well, let's stick on track or travel for a little bit. What do you yeah. do? I mean, training for this specific block, I'm sure you probably, it was all just recovery. I mean, were you, were you riding at all on those days or maybe just like spinning the legs out, but it's not like you were doing intervals. I would imagine. No, like I, I was mostly just between races. I was just doing like a 30 minute spin on travel days and then like an hour of course recon otherwise, or like, I think in uh, Iowa, I did like a just two hours, super easy spin just to kind of keep some volume in my legs and some, um, training stress that isn't just pure intensity. Yeah. But beyond that was just recovering between the world cups. I didn't do any of the C1s or C2s. It was just strictly. I'm there for these three races and that's all I'm focusing on. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about that too. If, if that was a calculated decision to not do Friday and Saturday. Yeah. 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 Like when I was looking at it initially, I was like, ah, oh, it'd be super cool to do these races with all the euros. And the more I thought about it, I was like, well, in reality, I want to get some points. I hate starting like random call up and having five points is cool, but if I could have 20 points, that'd be awesome. And it would be really beneficial later on. Yep. Yep. So I could, I could work as hard as I could in a C1 or C2 and get like three points and lose 10 points the next day. It's like, well, that doesn't really make sense. So and, that was kind of also, my... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, dude, also you're saving it because there's the GCN coverage, which is, which is awesome. The USCX, mm -hmm. which has been awesome, but the better TV coverage is for the world cup. So you got to bring your A game, right? Yeah, and like if I was on a team like um like a Matthew Vandenham or not Matthew Michael Vandenham or Goss um oh, what's his name Vandermeer but, yeah that yep I think that would make more sense in terms of like pleasing sponsors and stuff because you're going to be on TV in those those races but I have realistically have no sponsors to please I'm just here doing it for myself so there's that kind of fine balancing act too that again like most people probably don't think about. I wanted to ask you that, dude. I meant to ask you that before. Your like your team, your program now. Um, I think I looked it up on Cross Results, and it was like a AWI. I know what your kit looks like. Is that the team kit? Yeah, that's the team kit. Okay, nice. Um, so without like going too deep, the backstory is there's a really fast cross country racer called named Andrew Watson. 
So actually my boss and one of our, our buddies made this joke team, which stood for Andrew Watson Incorporated. Okay. And it was these like nasty 90s um, like ski suits, essentially, um, which has progressed into the plaid over over the years. But it's just a bunch of people who like riding and there's nothing really there. A little bit of coaching with athletes and stuff. But beyond that, it's just you, you're going to wear plaid. You're going to get nothing and you're going to like it. That's kind of the motto of the team. Hey, man. Yeah. Awesome. We got to post um, for the photo. We should do one of you and your kit, man. Because I think the kit's awesome. And it's also great for on TV. You stand out, man. I'm like, oh, dude, there's Brody. Yeah, <laughs> man, I, I've never seen, I've never heard or seen so many people so stoked on a single kit. Got to the point where like after some of the races, like I just need to change out of this so I can walk around, like go to like prize money or get like some food or something after the race and no one talking like I'm done. Just, <laughs> 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 I appreciate it. But just space, please. <laughs> the double-edged sword there, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So, so yeah, dude, we talk travel, um, and, and you're also for this. So since, since Jen, unfortunately couldn't tag along, you're doing, you're rolling completely solo, right? Like you're doing the driving, you're booking, you're getting in, you're checking into the hotel, you're working on the bikes. Yeah. So, um, I'm not sure what it is in, um, in, in miles, but it was 49,040 or four, 4,940 kilometers and okay. 51 hours of driving in 10 days. That was all solo. My gosh, dude, I would have loved to know. Did you calculate how much sleep you got on this trip? So I'm usually actually really good with sleep. I'm like a nine, nine bedtime kind of person. And then up at six, I was like, well, it doesn't really interfere anything other than like the last travel day I was driving throughout the day so sleep wasn't interrupted too too much but yeah yeah that's crazy man did you did you feel go ahead I'm sorry oh no no I didn't mean to interrupt go ahead I was just gonna say do you feel like you did like going doing this experience again would you if you like if you had to like would you think you do it the same way or like do you think going with someone would be a huge benefit to like share the driving and that kind of stuff um, or do you think that you functioned fine? Like it was like, hey, it was a hassle, but like, I still felt okay come race day. Um, I, I think in a, a perfect world, I'd like to do it with someone more just from the boredom's sake. It's a lot of time yeah. on your own, like that, that more eats into me than necessarily the driving. I don't mind driving and it really find it tires me out. Um, but having someone to talk to or like even in the hotel, you're like, oh, it's like seven o'clock. I don't really want to go out don't really have anyone to talk to I'll just like pull up Netflix and chill first few days that's fine but come like day seven or eight you're like okay be nice to do something talk to someone (laughs) social interaction but yeah well you had said in the future because I think one of the first things I asked you was like oh you must be traveling with like Vandenham um and you I think you you might do some traveling you said like when you go to Europe you guys might all go together yeah yeah so Cycling Canada usually runs like a project in belgium um they have a house that they've rented out for a number of years so uh, usually it's like somewhere between eight and 14 athletes that do the trip and a number of mechanics and a coach so makes it super easy all the travel and logistics are figured out uh, you just kind of show up as an athlete it's a paid pro experience in a sense so that it makes it a lot easier that's nice man for sure yeah, yeah that sounds just all you gotta do is just show up and then you're good to go yeah exactly yeah. Actually, backing up to in the future, what I'd like to do, I learned the, the, the hard way that doing everything out of like a small hatchback 
especially at muddy cross races, is not the correct way to do things. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do you What do you recommend? What's it, What's a better vehicle for this? So I've been, I've spent way too much, probably around fifty one hours thinking about this. <laughs> but like a, a small little van, not like a full size Sprinter, but that like Ford Transit Connect kind of size. Okay. Big enough where it's like good fuel economy, so it's not super expensive. But you can still stretch out and get your feet up without being like super cramped. Have like an awning or something you can chill under. I think that's like the best privateer way to go. But awesome. That's my unexperienced semi-professional opinion. Well, this sounds like, dude, are you are you thinking about doing that? Like are you would would that like kind of be in in a future investment? I think so, yeah. yeah. I, like I think that might be the way to to go in the future. But it, it all there's a thousand different things that for sure. Change, so I, I know, and I'm sure you've, you've seen this, but Caleb Schwartz has his van, which the thing yeah. looks dope. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'd say like I'm, I'm buddies with Caleb and I always like ride by when I'm saying hi or like going for a bit of a spit, like pre-ride with him. And I'm like, like, what the hell? Like, this is so cool. You just get to drive around and live out of this thing. It looks so yeah. dialed and looks so good with his like sponsorship logos everywhere too. Dude, he's, he's put together very well that's super impressive and dude and he backs it up like he does he's he's a super super solid racer yeah he was like mid-30s like every single day yep like he's got some skills to go with it too like it's not like he's just a dirt roadie in a sense like he has the skills to to back up that too so it'll be interesting in a few years and he can actually focus on this and not have other things going on in the background that occupies training time or recovery time I is, think, is, I think he still, he, is he still in school? Not to focus too much on him, but I, I'm honestly not too, too sure. Okay. No worries, man. I was just curious. Yeah. Um, so do so in regards to training, man, I still want to talk about the world cup week, but um, yeah. <laughs> what do you do? This is the question. Like I put this poll out. We have a, an evoke discord. I don't know if you're familiar with discord. It's like a messaging channel or maybe you are mm-hmm. dude. I'll send you the link. You should get on there, man. Um, it's For just sure. like a bunch of people, all the athletes and it's like, not in everybody else too you don't even have to be an evoke athlete um but some of the questions in regards to cyclocross are always like what is the best like lead up into cyclocross right like it's like should you do a road season should you do a mountain bike season should it be gravel races uh when should you start running what intervals do you do when do you start doing cross intervals like you know the list goes on and on um and i'm curious in like, dude, you've been racing at a super high level for years now. And I'm sure you've maybe experimented. Like, like I said, you did some, some more road races previously. Do you have a preferred run-in or do you kind of have like a, or just, it's just, we'll leave it at that. Do you have a preferred run-in and kind of what does it look like? Um, again, leading off my like kind of semi-unpreparedness approach to life, I just kind <laughs> of go at it as I go at it. I, I trust my, my coach, Andrew Watson. So whatever he kind of puts up is, is what I go for um but i'm a i'm a big believer of doing what makes you happy at the end of the day like how many of us are actually being paid to do this so if you love cross-country mountain biking do cross-country mountain biking if you love road racing do road racing i I don't think there's a a wrong answer to anything just kind of comes into what you enjoy most and is going to keep you motivated leading into to the cross season which motivation i think is more important than like actual fitness um it's more about where your head's at versus where your legs at Dude, so I spoke with, I, I talked with Cody Kaiser last night and mm-hmm. I asked him that same question and he almost gave the exact same answer as you, man. He was just like, I kind of, he's like, he does some work on the scooter, 
But he was like, really? If I feel like riding the mountain bike, I'll ride the mountain bike. If I feel like riding my track bike, I'll ride my track bike. He's like, I really don't have like a calculated, you know, like answer to this. And like, I know there really isn't, there, def- there isn't a one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just interesting that it's like, kind of just like, you know, cross season comes, you ride. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of people, myself included, overanalyze, like, I got to be doing my over-unders and then I get into my FTP work and then I'm doing this and it's like two months out and one month out. Um, it doesn't really necessarily have to be like that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like I, I think I had six rides on a cross bike before I went to Rochester. Oh man. I've just been like, I have a, an enduro, um, an enduro bike and I've just been riding that all summer. I'm like, I love this. Like it's building skill and like thinking on my feet and quickly just because you're moving so much faster, just like cross, like you're averaging what, like 25 K an hour at some of these cross races. So it's, it, I think like using s- different discipline skills too, like I said earlier, that transfer over is really important. So definitely dude. So, so doubling down on that, do you feel that like you've been like racing and riding mountain bikes and, and cross for mm-hmm. like whatever, a long time now, do you feel that that gives you, cause you are, dude, you're, you're a super skilled dude. Like you have a lot like handling and tactics and or what's the word i'm looking for here uh i can't find my note here um skill on the bike you know what i'm saying do you think that you got all that like like from like just that that carryover or do you work on specific things like going out and doing cross specific practices or it just kind of is there from just all this repetition um i think it's kind of a mix of of everything when i was a younger developing athlete there was or more developing athlete i should say um I, I did do a lot of skills work with a bunch of friends there we had a really good um crew kind of when i was a cadet and junior called next wave cycling and all of us kind of pushed each other whether that be mountain biking or road racing cyclocross and um, forcing each other to learn skills in different ways i think that was really beneficial um but i th- Again, I think like it's a mix of everything. I think cyclocross makes me a better mountain biker because you have to be extremely precise and extremely focused and and delicate, almost like you're dancing through the course. Where I think mountain biking helps me in cyclocross because I can have the confidence to approach these more technical features and carry more speed through corners and having overall better technique through corners and stuff like that. So I, I think it's, there's no like, which came first, the chicken or the egg. It's just each help build the level of each. For sure, man. And are you balancing that then? Are you doing like some endurance rides on the road bike? Or are you doing long days on the mountain bike? Yeah, I kind of mix it up between the two. Um, most of my training, at least this year, because there wasn't a ton of racing, was just like, hey, you have either these intervals or this long on the bike go out and do it however you want you want to go for a big mountain bike day awesome send it you want to do a big group ride on the road go for it you want some time alone just to like zone out and listen to some music or podcasts on the road by all means just like enjoy the bike stay motivated don't burn yourself out and i think that's nice, a good way to kind of approach things for sure what about so getting specifics i know people are going to want to know this do yeah. you have any do you have any specific intervals that you feel that like get you prepped for cross season or like maybe you you're crushing this interval and you're like yeah dude I'm, I'm ready to go let's let's get to racing yeah um earlier this summer i forget what the exact name of it was but it was um like a six minute effort that was just below my like five minute power and i'm, I'm my brain is not fully functioning so i can't remember exactly what my coach called it um, but i do three or four of those and and that made me feel like really really good um, 
um, especially just because I was um, progressing in terms of how much power I was pushing kind of day in, day out. So that was super motivating. Um, but honestly, like, going for um, segments on my mountain bike makes me feel super stoked. Like, yeah, um, I love going downhills as fast as I can. So I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I was like one second off my PR on this or, or something like that. Just it makes me super stoked. And it's that kind of short, explosive power, really similar to cross. Yep. So I, I think that's a good translation. Kind of going all over the place in that explanation. But no, dude, that's great, man. Yeah. What about um, a lot of other cross guys I talk to? They're like, uh, they'll take their cross bike out on trails. And I don't know what the trails are like specifically by you. I know like by me, I'm in Connecticut. It's just mm -hmm. too rocky here. Like I could travel and I do. I'll bring the cross bike there. Do you sometimes bring the cross bike out on some trails? Um, I haven't as of the last few years, but that is something that I do really enjoy, enjoy doing. Um, bit of a tangent, a, a number of years ago now, I was super fortunate to do the, um, the, they only did this one year, but the UCI held like a cross development course in wherever they're based out of in Switzerland. Um, and it was run by Sven Nies and Sven Van Turnout. Oh, nice. And they kind of like broke through a bunch of, um, broke down a bunch of skills and stuff like that. And the one piece of advice that they kind of forced upon everyone was ride your, your cross bike, like a mountain bike find like a one minute course in the woods, whether you rake it out, whether it's something that's already made and just like cycle it on your cross bike, like just go for it as much as you can. That's where they learned the most, um, the vast majority of their skills. And so that's super critical for gaining confidence and, and going fast. So, yeah, that's awesome, dude, dude, that's a excellent piece of advice, man. Um, that's something else, dude, that that's what I was talking to Cody. He was like, a lot of underbiking. He's like, bring your road bike out on gravel, bring your cross bike yeah. out on the trails. You know, um, he said that, that, that was a big thing that helped him. So that's yeah. awesome, man. Um, and what about this? Just picking your brain on a topic. Was there anything else? Cause I know everyone's going to be like, what else, what else was said at that? What else did Sven say? Um, I'm putting you on the spot here. No, no, it's all good. Um, <laughs> the, the other thing was, um, was starts. At least me personally, I was really bad for like standing up and just praying that I could get my, my opposite foot in on the first pedal stroke. Um, but he really kind of forced into all of us to start seat, uh, seating because um, you can produce 90% of your power even if you can't clip in. So you can still have a pretty decent start even if you don't clip in for five, six, seven pedal strokes Gotcha. and not follow up the back, which really improved my starts, which is kind of what you'd said earlier about Rochester. Um, so that was the other really big takeaway that I had. That's awesome, man. Dude, I've never, I feel like I've dissected and talked to so many people and I never correlated that too. So that's amazing, man. Um, go ahead. Oh, one, one other thing. Um, neither of them could hop barriers unless they practiced six weeks in advance to, okay. to the cross season. Interesting, man. Do you... You were so far ahead of me. I don't know this, man. But were you hopping the barriers? So I, I can hop barriers. Um, it more comes down to like mental fatigue. I think for, sure. for the half second that you might lose running the barriers, especially if you're on your own and you're not attacking, there's not a huge amount of point of doing it, at least at, at some of these courses. Um, but then there's other courses where it's like, yeah, you can attack out of that one section, like go for it, do it. It's worth it. For sure. But I think it's really course dependent and more than that, it's um, 
what your comfort level is too. Like if you're super confident hopping barriers, even if it's slower, but you're more confident hopping than running hop. If it's, you're more confident running than hopping, even if it's slower run. For sure, dude. Yeah. And I think like it, you have to get like, I'm thinking I was Curtis white to the interview where he was chatting with, I think it was charm day two. Um, where it was him and Vinny, I think Blevins had like missed a pedal or something or went down or, and so it was him and Vinny going into the barriers, which are pretty close on day two to the finish. And he was like, I had to get to the barriers first because I was running them. This is Curtis. And I wanted to you know, be able to go through them at my own speed. But Vinny came around him and jumped him. And like, yeah, that was like a tactical thing in that situation. But those guys are also at the top of their game, you know, like going for yeah. the win. So it's like, put that into context, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, they're not going out for like a cat three, four, like top 10. They're going out like this is their livelihood. Like exactly, that. exactly. That like $100 difference in payout could mean the difference between like them being able to afford a, a trip with like their federation or not. So for sure, man. And then also, yeah. dude, I wanted to touch on when you said like mental fatigue. Um, I think that's a big thing I always push to my athletes is like, if you, if you're hopping barriers or even running barriers, you know, it's different. You should do some things at race pace. Or I say sometimes do them after your intervals, like getting used to like some guys are new and like remounts and dismounts doing them. Like when you got whatever resting heart rate or, you know, 80 BPM is way different than when you're at 180 and you're on the first lap. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And like, I think a big thing too, is it's not necessarily like the mental fatigue. It's like the, the stress we put on ourselves to do it too. Especially like you said, first lap, like you're, we're all in panic state. I don't care if you're like, you or I were like kind of mid pack to some extent, or if you're like a Sven Nies who's at the front of the race, like that first lap is so critical that if you miss a pedal, that could be the end of your race, whether you're consciously thinking it or not, like balancing that, that stress and pressure, I think is almost more important than the, the mental fatigue aspect too. What about man in regards to first laps? do you go into races with like a specific strategy of like, this is what I want to do? Or is it like, just go get as far up as, as, as you can. Um, it's, it's kind of a mix. I, I, I learned the hard way or learned again for the umpteenth time in Baltimore that you can go out too hot and burn too many matches. So I think, um, it's really about kind of being aggressive while still conserving energy. Like, as short as an hour is in racing an hour is a long time man like so much can happen it, in an hour it is a long time i don't know about you but i'll get in and i'll be you're at a different you're at a completely different level than me but i'll look up and it'll be like 20 minutes nine laps laps and i'm like what i'm like dude i'm dead <laughs> so actually i've got a semi funny story on that it was kind of the same idea first ever elite world cup i did in in waterloo a number of years ago and I remember coming through like two laps in. I'm like, oh, like got it's gonna say like eight laps to go. It's gonna be awesome. Ten lap rates. I saw eleven laps to go, and I have never hated my life more. <laughs> oh my gosh! Like, oh no, no. But anyways, just just backing up like um to the that first lap. I I've, I've found both in cross country and cyclocross, so many people kind of like time their starts for one lap. And then it's like a, a switch. They go from being like 5% off the leader to being 15% off the leader, like in, in a matter of seconds. So I've learned, at least for my personal, um, how, how I work in racing, 
that if I can time it so that flip happens a lap and a half in, those positions I make up in half a lap are more than I'm ever going to make up by going into the red on that first lap. And that kind of conserves energy and enforces energy management too. So we elaborate on that a bit more, man. So you're saying people are planning to just go as hard as they can from the gun. And you're saying yeah. that you're reversing that. Yeah. Like, um, especially like I've had a s- significant amount of experience with last lap uh, or last row starts, whether that be cross country world cups or whether that be um, cyclocross world cups. And I didn't notice this admittedly someone else pointed this out to me, but once they said that it was so evident how many people blow up in a sense after that first lap, they're like, yeah. let's go. I got to get it. I got to get it. I got to get it. And then after that, like 10 minute or that 13 minute first lap, they suddenly realize, Oh man, I went way too deep. I can't keep this up. And then their second lap is significantly slower than their first lap. And then they speed up again on that third lap to kind of their average race speed or lap time, whatever you want to call it. So being able to make up ground on that second lap, I've found is super, super important. Um, especially if you have an issue on the first lap, like when I dropped the chain in, in Rochester on the rest of that first lap, I made up zero positions. Like I went from 70th to like 60th. It was that second lap where I passed like 20 people because everyone was doing that. For sure, dude, dude, that's, that's, that's a really, really good piece of advice, man. Cause I was going to say, man, at Fayetteville, um, I saw you on the coverage and I was like, Oh dude, like you probably got a bad, had a bad start. Like you were, you were, I think you were dead last. Going oh yeah. Into dead the, last by like 10 meters going up the start. That, that first and then, like, they didn't show too much coverage. They, they had a few shots here and there. Cause, you know, they're always focused on the leaders and, um, yeah. but I would see him like, Oh dude, he's, he's moving up. He's moving up. Um, and yeah, this is just you doing that strategy, man. of Like just playing the long game. Cause it is, it's like, just like you said, it, it's, it doesn't seem like an hour. Like you want to ride your bike for an hour of endurance. It's like, ah, whatever. But it is when you're going hard and like, you're not calculated, like it can be very, very hard. Um, yeah. And especially at races like Fayetteville, like when it becomes that tractor pull, if you're able to um, find that like fastest line through the mud and use that to your advantage, people might be able to do those like slower lines, the same speed as you for three quarters of the race. But because they burnt so many matches on that first lap, trying to keep that same pace as the leader that none of us are going to, in reality, going to be as fast as those leaders, they're dead like three quarters of the way through too. So it's that like second wave of, of being tired and being able to, to kind of come back like my, um, on the second last lap or the last lap, I was like 30 seconds faster than anyone in like a five spot position around me for that same reason. They're all like, Oh, I'm tired. I'm dead. I can't do this anymore. Whether that be because of mistakes or, or just being tired, forcing themselves through the mud. So anyways, just kind of a, what about you? So going elaborating on that a bit more playing that out for the race. Do you have a plan? Are you like picking spots on the race where like, okay, I want to like put down some Watts here. Of course, like the climbs and stuff like you have to, mm-hmm. but do you have other spots? Like I've heard an interview before of Jeremy powers talking about how he would always like chunk up the lap. And then he would chunk up the race of like, okay, I want to go hot for a couple laps, like recover, quote unquote, like he's not recovering, but maybe you just go a little bit less mm-hmm. and then hit it hard again. Um, do you kind of have a strategy like that? Yeah, I, got, I don't necessarily have it before the race per se. Just I, I have a really hard time imagining how courses are going to play out until I'm at race pace. So I kind of use that first lap when I'm in the red for sure, but not like totally 
flown um, to kind of pick out where people are slower, where my advantages are on the field, where I'm making, it t- making up time, where I'm losing time, just, just little things like that. And then kind of develop a strategy as I go. Um, so if we use, um, we'll use water or Fayetteville for an example, okay. just because it's super easy. There's really only like two or three things. So um, starting from the, the start, I'd use that whole kind of downhills recovery. I'd sit at like tempo, maybe a touch over tempo on those kind of like little intermediate climbs before the big or within that descent. And then I'd sit let at me, like, let me jump in real quick. Are you, so are you actually, are you like by tempo, are you like actively tracking like power or heart rate? Are you just, you just kind of know. Yeah. Yeah. Just like kind Let's of a, a rough idea. Like it could yep, be above, sure. it could be below, but just perceived effort was roughly tempo. hundred um, percent. So using that as just recovery and trying to flush lactic acid out of my legs and, and not burn too much energy. Cause you're not really making up any more time on your competitors at that point. Everyone's kind of doing the same speed. And then that big climb, I would, I would hit it that whole big climb. And that would be one big solid effort. I'd get over those little flats. I'd get into the pit. Um, I'd found a faster lane through the pit that no one was using. So I'd use that as recovery because I know I was going the same speed as the rest of my competitors at less effort. And I'd use that as like a bit of a mental reset before those like awkward off camera things. Yep. Um, and then again, were you, were you riding those? Sorry. Are you, were you running those? I saw some guys running, some guys ride. I was riding, but just because okay. in my poor preparation, I forgot toast bikes. So okay. I didn't really <laughs> want to get off my bike. <laughs> Dude, Brody, there's a pattern here, man. Oh yeah. I'm terrible. I'm the last minute packer and I always forget something. <laughs> you gotta, when we get off this call, I need you to make a list of all the things for your other races. You gotta get the toast bikes in the race day bag. So I, I usually do make a list and then I look at the list. And I think I don't need this. I got it. I don't need this. And then evidently every time I get to the race, I'm like, ah, I forgot this one little thing. Oh man. I'm sorry, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping no, no, it. I apologize. Um, yeah, I'd use that kind of like off camera section as a bit of a recovery and then use those straights to try and gain some more, more time. Um, just cause again, I knew where the faster line was and I thought I can make up a few seconds here recover across the little like zigzaggy bit over the flagstones yep uh, and then naturally i'm just good at running so i'm like okay i can hit the stairs every single lap as hot as i can yep do that recover down the little knoll and then sprint basically all the way through the the straight into the pit recover a bit on the little chicane hard across the flats to the finish and that was kind of how i broke up the race based nice. on my skills and how I kind of saw my competitors using those areas. Awesome, man. That makes yeah. total sense, dude. In, in regards to running, do you, do you have a running background where you doing some stuff or do you just kind of, are you just like naturally good at do you? And do you still do running now in the season or prior to the season? So I'm, I'm just naturally always been fairly good at running. Um, I, and I actually love running, but I have really bad knees. So um, if I don't, kind of ease into it my knees hurt for like the whole season um which i did this year <laughs> so i can't run as much as i'd like to but um yeah just naturally good at running and works awesome. out what about if you are doing a run are you going out for usually you see guys doing like 15 20 minutes maybe 30 minutes are you doing anything longer than that not typically just like yeah. a 30 minute run and I don't really focus on, I probably should. Um, my coach thinks I probably should without telling me, but I just kind of run at whatever pace feels natural. I don't stress too, too much. Yep. Um, 
I know across the board, for the most part, heart rates are elevated more when you're running, even if you're in the same actual zone. Yep. So if you're sitting at like a tempo heart rate or just or threshold heart rate, you're not really at that pace. But if that's where your body wants to run, run there. Like, yeah, I don't think you're going to kill yourself for 30 minutes. Again, not a coach. This is just personal opinion. And no, man. Yeah, this is awesome, though, man. This is great. I always yeah. tell my athletes, like, um, so there are some guys who are just naturally good runners or come from running backgrounds. But I'm like, running doesn't have to be. You don't have to go out and like do these blistering 5Ks, 10Ks. No, it doesn't have to be a strength of you. You just should make sure strength of yours rather. It should just not be a weakness. So you know, so your heart rate doesn't spike. You know, every single time. Like if you can monitor that a little bit. That's nice, you know, to give you longevity through whatever your race is, 30, 45, an hour for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, all right, dude. Yeah. So let's jump into, well, I guess we talked about running. The other thing I wanted to talk about was, do you do any strength training, any, any stuff like lifting or anything like that? Free weights. So uh, again, like I, it's something I have done in the past with previous coaches and, and there is admittedly a huge benefit to doing that. Um, I'm not a super like mentally strong person. Um, so I've never loved being in the gym and I have a hard time kind of pushing through. So at that point, I, again, I think it comes down to balance between what's the actual physical adaptations you can make and what are the benefits of those versus the like mental, um, the mental side that you're taking away and what that balance is. Um, but this year I was enjoying it for whatever reason, I was doing a bit more hurt my knees again for just injuries in the past that I hadn't let healed properly. Um, but that's turned into like a nightly core and breathing routine, which I've found is super, super beneficial, especially for cross. It's been really, really nice. That's awesome. Do you do anything again, tangent here? Do you do anything at the race for like a breathing exercise or any like little meditation or anything prior to the race or anything? Um, I probably should, (laughs) Um, but no, I, um, I'm on the meditation thing. I'm a big believer, um, at least personally being calm, going calm and confident going into the race, as opposed to like that, like super angry, like death metal, like, ah, let's get at it. It's like, just kind of like how you noted earlier, like, just like super chill in the start pen, like just chatting to people. Like it was great, man. I'm like trying to hold, I'm, I said that was, it was, it was, it was, it was really uh, refreshing to chat with you because like I'm thinking of like there's that like that that uh, cartoon of like the dog with like everything's fine and then it's like fire you know the house is on fire like that, yeah. that was that was me man <laughs> <laughs> it's actually funny you should mention that me and um, a couple of my friends that's just like our living motif is that one like meme or gif well yeah it's fine it's fine like the world's burning but it's good it's not a yeah, big yeah. deal we'll, we'll survive this this instant for sure um yeah. What about, uh, let's say race day, man. Do you have a race day routine of like a big thing is like, like when, when do you get to the course and like how many pre-rides do you do? Um, and are you eating like a lot of people say like they, they don't like to eat once they get to the course. Like do you, what, what's your, what's your routine like? Yeah. Um, I have a vague routine. I don't don't always stick directly to it. Um, especially when I'm in like hotels or stuff like that, I kind of, try and be at the course three to four hours before but i'll go earlier if i'm bored and there's bad internet just to like chill get an idea what the dirt's like i just hang out with people i don't always see and stuff like that um try and get one lap on course kind of as soon as i get there grab my race numbers um 
pin my race numbers, get another lap on course, have like a, if I'm hungry, have like a sandwich or something or snack or whatever I'm kind of craving. I'm not too picky on what I eat. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of hang out for a couple hours at that point, watch some races go through, uh, have a look at some technical features and see how other categories are riding them and whether there's lines that are forming that I know I want to avoid and make kind of mental notes of and just try and stay relaxed. Like try not to think about the race, just do my own thing, chat with people, hang out. That's awesome, man. I feel like your race routine, the overall message is like, be relaxed, be chill. Yeah. Um, which is, which is super, super nice. Cause I know there are other people dude who it's like, just like you said, like it's, I'm going to war, man, you know, um, <sighs> it's just a different approach, you know? Yeah. And like everyone, like, I think that's kind of like the high, uh, the key thing we keep going back to is like, everyone's different. Like do whatever, like works best for you. What makes you happy? What makes you perform? Like and a few of my friends growing up, like they're like, I'm going to war. I don't want to talk to anyone. Like two hours before the race, don't talk to me. I have my headphones in yeah cool man like that works for you whatever go for it but like you don't have to be like that like that shouldn't be something you should feel forced into especially as a younger athlete i feel you do because i feel like that's kind of more that's like what you see in the movies or it's like it's that headphones on this i'm getting amped which is fine dude don't get me wrong getting amped up is great but like you said it doesn't have to be that way yeah and like kind of a tangent on this I, i i played hockey a lot growing up um, and it was super interesting looking back now, seeing how many different approaches there were. Like you, you had, I remember one year we had these two goalies. One of them had like this, like going to war, like headphones on. They're doing warm ups for like forty minutes in their kit, like getting dialed. The other one like does not give a flying like f about anything. They're just like super yeah. relaxed, like messing <laughs> with like the defenseman and just like playing around with people the whole time, like half dressed as the coach is trying to give the like pregame, like pep talk and all this. He's still trying to get ready. Like, but he'd always play the best in the game and he's always the one having the most fun. And oh, it's kind of cool looking back to see how that plays out for different people. For sure. You know what, man, this makes me think of it. So at charm city, um, I'm, we're sitting in the tent and we're like right across from the announcers and they're, they're, the the Cannondale tent and everyone everyone's tents are like next to ours. I don't know how we got a tent space like next to like Magali and all that. We're like they're like yeah, you guys can put your tent here. I was like this is amazing. Um, but anyways, so the guy's doing the announcing and he's he's like looking across the stage and he's looking at the the women warming up and he's like oh you can see Claire over there she's got her headphones on she's she's definitely going for the win and then they name someone else so I'm not going to say who it was and they're like. Oh, she's laughing. She's, she's joking around. She, she must not be too serious about this race. Like, I was just like, Oh dude, I think she just has a different approach to it, man. You know, like oh, she just, she's not going into that, whatever kill mode. She's just has a different approach. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like giving the announcers a break, like they're also talking all day. So I'm sure they're just looking for something to say, you know? Yeah. Something that isn't necessarily about the race, like yeah, maybe yeah, poke yeah. fun at someone a little bit, just to like yep. get a laugh or for keep sure. people engaged. But yeah. Um, Dude, one last thing, or I got a bunch of stuff I want to talk to you. I don't want to keep you too much, but oh, you talked about pinning, pinning numbers, man. And I know this is like a basic thing, but this is like a big topic in the Discord recently was about um, getting some like, oh yeah, you get to the you get to the cross race. And if you're rolling solo, you gotta get some you got a skin suit on, you gotta get someone else to pin your number for you. And we were all like, no, dude, you don't get anybody to pin your number for you, man. No. So I want I want to hear it from you, dude. How do you go about pinning your numbers on your skin suit? There's two different approaches I take. 
Um, if I'm able to like pin the night before, I like using a pillow and just use that as roughly like for the back. For sure. Um, and then I like just using like the lower part of my leg, like just below my calf for the arms. Um, but if it's super cold, I'll use um, like a 500 mil bottle, like just a normal cycling bottle. And yep. that works really well. I, I'm pretty lanky. So that's roughly the same size as my arm. <laughs> um, there's a few guys who might need to use a Nalgene depending on how big their arms are. But yep. Um, and then just putting the jerk, like the legs through with the back facing up, um, over my thighs and just pulling it a bit and then using the pockets on the back to just roughly judge where it needs to be. Yeah. Can Especially when it's on the pockets, it can like kind of stretch and deform a bit to fit. So it doesn't have to be perfect for sure. So, and like then nine the pins, thing. nine pins on the rear. I'm number. a nine pin as well. Let's see. Three, nine. six. And so then where's the, the where's, Wait, where's oh one in the center? Okay. Yeah, All right. one in the center. All right. I usually don't do the center one, man. I know some people who do it, but um, but yeah, I guess uh, you got you, aerodynamics are a thing, man, right? Yeah. Well, like when I did Green Mountain Stage Race in Ramuski, like one of my my friends, like an air, like a super like smart nerdy guy, is like, yeah, aerodynamics, man. Like pinning your number right is more important than a disc wheel. Like just going off at everyone. I'm like, all right, man. Like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> what about do you cut the uh the arm numbers down a little bit i don't i usually leave them the same size okay um i'm not too, how many too how many pins on the arm on the arm numbers four or are you doing two i do four sometimes five depending okay. on like how bulky they are and how well they want to fit gotcha dude i gotta up my pin game i was only doing two on the numbers on the on the, on the arm numbers no it like catches and blows in the wind on the it was, side it was it, it was it totally right. catching and blowing in the wind yeah. i was like ah whatever i was like i think this is how people do it now that's I like know, five right? spots at baltimore josh you gotta you gotta pick it up <laughs> dude that's dude i would have been in the uci points for sure there you go like that that was the the numbers were holding you back it's like, that's what it was without yeah. a doubt um but yeah, dude, I, I wanted to, I wanted to say, dude, you, everyone, if you're listening to this, you heard it here first, Brody, you've raced in the world cups, man. You got to pin your own numbers. Yeah. Pin your own numbers, please. Yeah. It's one thing if like you're on the line and one pops and someone helps you, but just, just pin your own numbers. Yeah. What yeah. about dude? So do you know anyone, the other, not to, I'm harping on this pin number pinning thing. Do you know anyone at like the high do, or at like the, the front of the race who, isn't using pins because like, there are other things right there's like the tape you can use like the spray but i think everyone for the most part is just using pins right yeah like i've seen people do the like no pins like magnet things in the past but that was kind of a fad that died pretty quick yeah yeah we um people talk about the magnets and i'm like yeah stay away from the magnets no, man. they can be more of a hassle yeah oh 100 um and i've seen overseas a few people like glue like use that spray adhesive but yeah pins are just so easy like, for sure i know and if you, you you don't do it like a, a meat stick you're not gonna re- wreck your jersey at the end of the day or just have yep. like this is my cross jersey that's what i say dude i'm like you know i'm all for you know people don't want to destroy their kit but it's like it's also like it's part of your work wear, right? Like I'm saying like, this is like what you do. Like it's going to get beat up. And especially if you're going to a cross race, dude, you got to expect to get dirty a little bit, you know? Oh, hundred percent. Like kid is 100% aware. I'm like, yeah. that is something you're replacing. It's not going to last you forever. Yeah. So, um, yeah. or oh, and man, pinning something... in the same spot. Most I've pin, noticed okay. most of the U S numbers are like the same size. So you can pin in that like same spot. And like, if you're careful, get it through the same hole. So then you only have nine holes or four holes or whatever it is in whatever spot. Good tip, man. 
Yeah. I mean, there's there's something else I was just going to ask you, and I totally forgot. But um, there's plenty of other stuff. So I don't want to keep you too long, man. We're already past an hour. Do you do you want to give a little bit more time to chat, or if you got to go, it's cool. Oh no, keep keep going. It's all okay, good. Sweet. I, I've got tomorrow off for the most part. I've got like okay, a nice. shop ride in the evening, so it's all good. Well, dude, if you you're probably tired though too, so if you start falling asleep, man, then I just yell <laughs> through the yeah. Um, <laughs> So I, I wanted to go through the races, man, and just kind of get your rundown on them. So like, yeah. you, you don't have to go in too much detail, but like there are some, like every race had like specific things that happened. And I'm sure you have your own adventure as well. But from watching them Sunday at Waterloo, it was like most guys started off on files and then they switched to intermediates and then they're going to muds. What was your experience there, man? Were you changing bikes? Was it like just madness? That hurt my head so much. I was talking to a few people, not not any of the, the top guys in Italy, but a few people. And they're like, oh, I was like, oh, what are you starting on? I'm like, oh, I'm doing files, man. The course is so fast. I'm like, dude, like forecast says it's, we'll say race time is one o'clock. I'm like, dude, like race time, like it's raining at one. Like that's what forecast says. And 100% from one to like five. Like, you don't want to start on like intermediates? Like, no, no, no. Like I'm doing files. I'm doing files. I'm like, ah, all right, man, like whatever. Admittedly, I have my, my two tire choices, at least for tubulars, are Griffos and Baby Lemuses. Yep. That is my file, my mid, my mid wet, and my mud. That's it. Makes it easy. Um, I was just getting ready for my warm up at, we'll say 12.05, like 50 minutes before the race. And I checked the forecast. I'm like, it is raining in like 30 minutes, and like heavy rain is what it's calling for. And I'm, in my area, we're pretty short on, on supplies. I work at a shop, so I try and buy things, but like also can't always take things because customers need stuff too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like short on some rotors and like a cassette and a few other things. So I only have two sets of everything for my wheels. And I looked and I was like, ah, like I need to change wheels. I need like, so I stripped like a, both, a set of wheels down, like swapped everything over. One of my rotors and pads are contaminated. So I had to make sure that stayed at the like right spot just because I don't have like pads and rotors to replace it with. Yep. So I'm doing this like 50 minutes before the race, like just panicking in my race kit, all my numbers on my helmet, everything like this is going to pay off in the future. Like I just need to do this. Yeah, I show up, like barely get a warm up in, and I look around. Everyone's on files. I'm like, oh, this is ending so bad for so yeah. many people. For sure, yeah. <laughs> like the we're in the start pen five minutes ago. Starts raining. I'm like, oh, this is this is awesome. I'm gonna like make up so much time the first few laps, and then it was just chaos everywhere because everyone's on chicanes or like LASs or anything like that. I'm like, oh, this is terrifying. <laughs> I, I think I saw some dudes who were rocking dunes as well. And I was like, oh my God, yeah. you got like nothing out there, man. Oh, I, I don't know how they did it. Like that like, yeah. mean, like de- um, off camber. I don't know how people wrote it. Honestly, man, like there was a big rut admittedly, but I don't know how they made it down. It was at least in my opinion, pretty janky. Well, what about dude? And so in that, was that the off camber that was, I'm thinking of the, what were in that, the wooded section. Well, if there was a wooded section, yeah, but there wasn't yeah. an off camber, but it was the downhill into the pavement, into the run up. How did you fare that, there? That was terrifying. Oh. I think it, I think that section actually would have been better on like a dune or, or a chicane or something like that, just because there's more contact with the ground. For sure. But it was so sketched. The like uh, ground wasn't like beaten down. So you're tracking everything onto that pavement and everyone's going in way too hot because they want to carry speed for that run up. And like just that little bit of moisture with wet tires and muddy tires, just 
Um, one of my buddies got a, I, uh, got a video of that and it looks terrifying. Like yeah. he mangled his whole everything. It, it, did, it did not look good, man. I, I also like, I'm not a course designer, but just my two senses having a fast ascent within like a barrier that doesn't move probably not a good idea right no like i, I can kind of see where they're coming from because like all the other areas like oh we have metal fencing everywhere else like why does it matter here but yeah i think that case is a little bit different just because it's asphalt and like rain doesn't always mix for sure i know previously they had it on less of an angle so you're making the turn on the grass not the pavement yeah which i think was the like small little minute difference that made an issue but yeah yeah what about did you did you pit at all? Did you like change your pressure later in the race or anything? No, I'm I'm pretty. I, I like nineteen twenty one in pretty much all conditions. I'll go okay. down super low if it's muddy, but like even Fayetteville, I was nineteen twenty one with babies and I'm happy. Interesting, man. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. so let, let's let's jump to Fayetteville then, man. Which was anyone who you can watch the replays. Um, but yeah, dude, mud. This was. I wouldn't say. What what, what are your would this would you say this was a proper mud race like it was it wasn't like super thick but it still was super muddy so um just like just to jump back to waterloo for a sec i'd say that's like in my mind this like what cross is like that like super greasy super fine like fast mud that is that is cross in my opinion not saying dusty races aren't cross everything's cross but when i think of cross that's that's what it is i think everyone agrees with you man everyone like there are cross races. Don't get me wrong. Like when you're racing in September and Rochester and stuff like that. But yeah, then you get into the proper season with those conditions. Like I'm, I'm with you at least. Yeah. So I, I kind of base all of my judgments off of that being cross. Um, so I think Fayetteville like that, that was a, a proper mutter. I think the court, because of the course design, it was kind of interesting because most of the time in mud races, like there's more off camber and more like janky stuff that you got to be careful of. Or that that big, excuse me, fast descent because of the under the first like couple inches was just hard rocks. There was actually a ton of grip underneath. You just had to like know where to be in the in the course. So again, like if you're someone who can't necessarily find those like minute differences, like that's a true proper mutter. But if you could like, oh, I know that under the slick stuff, there's there's mud or not mud there's like hard dirt it's like oh this is awesome i can rail these corners i can like get my foot out just to be like as a just in case but otherwise you could just rail everything and not really think twice did you not don't name any names here but did you see some dudes who were struggling and not being able to find that grip i'm sure there were guys yeah like i think honestly like i think most people were in that kind of situation because it was in my opinion it was super backwards thinking like most of the time you're like oh there's grass grass is fast and that's generally the truth like if you stay three to four inches off that like dirt path that's where the fast dirt is where i found here it was the opposite you wanted to be through that like actual mud because underneath was that that hard packed dirt so if you sat in that you could fly up all the climbs you could do all the descents and the corners super super easily um again like just something that you kind of have to be aware of and not be afraid to try different lines in the race for sure this is like your version of Svenness. Have you seen those Svenness videos? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. love Svenness. I love yeah. those as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying is it's like a, diff- it's like he always breaks down like the, I'll link a Svenness video if anyone hasn't seen them. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just an interesting way of looking at corners, you know, or, or turns or then even a turn. It could be like some part of the course. And usually yeah. it was always, I don't think it was, you. was it always Sven? Sometimes it wasn't Sven, I feel. 
I think um, like 85% of the time it was Sven. Like yeah. sometimes it was someone else, but he was so dominant. Like yeah. it's hard to stray away. But yeah, but it's just like just the same way of looking at a, a specific part of the course in like a different way than everyone else, you know? And just, and what it doesn't have to be pretty, but it's faster. It's all about just handling it faster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, and 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 oh, I, I was going to say, it's not even in this, it's faster in the sense of like, maybe it's, you come in faster maybe you go out faster it's not it's like it's, it's like a weird way of breaking it down right uh, yeah and like actually on that spot like or that topic I, I always think of cross as like formula one in a sense like the way that we approach corners isn't necessarily the fastest way through the corner but it's the way that we can conserve the most momentum without letting the person behind us pass or give them an opportunity to pass and if you look at especially in the wet um the, the amount of different line choices they use between like um if you look at a Verstappen versus a Hamilton, they might be like the two fastest guys in the world, but their wet line choice is totally different because their driving styles are totally different. Like that line that I was just describing worked perfectly for me, but um, I'll just use Caleb because we were talking about him earlier. Like, but it might not work for like a Caleb Schwartz or it might not work for a, a Stephen Hyde or, or someone like that. Like yep. we're all so different in our abilities our skills and what we can find and feel on the, the course. So, for sure dude that's a well. good point man maybe a more power a more powerful rider that maybe doesn't feel confident in the mud is like i'll take the long way but i can just get up to speed a bit faster you know and like i got a few yeah, more exactly. extra watts here you know yeah or someone who's like feeling like their legs are about to cramp and need to like keep the momentum like oh i'll go like this outside line but i can keep pedaling and keep trying yep. to flush stuff out without like worrying about overextending my leg and cramping up like that's also something that super I've, interesting dude yeah. all these little things man like these are, these are the like the little, like, this is the decision fatigue you're talking about earlier, that mental fatigue of like all the little things that add up throughout the course of the race on top of like how hard you're going, you know, like, like yeah. I guess this, this is why cross is awesome, right? It's so cool. And like, it's, it's things that at some point you kind of stop thinking about and just kind of become like natural. Like, yeah, I, like what we're talking about, I don't necessarily think of like in the race, it's just like, this feels fast. I go fast. I go here. Like it's very like basic rudimentary thoughts that you can then elaborate and kind of share sure, and more sense of later. And I think it's like to, to extend that, it's like that muscle memory though, dude, like I'm saying, you've been yeah. doing it for so long, man. It's such a high level, all different conditions, all different courses. Um, I think you find out what works for you and you're like, Oh dude, I've done this turn before when I was in whatever Hoover Hyde, And now I know, you know, um, you draw yeah. from those experiences. Oh, for sure. And like what you're saying that, and just to like kind of go back to what we're saying about like underbiking, like you can learn so much underbiking for that same reason. You take your road bike on this like gravel ride and you're like, oh, there's this corner. Oh, I know what like a bike feels like when it's sliding and I know where to regain grip, but you're at such a low consequence compared to when you're in a cross race or a mountain bike race because you're at slower speeds that you can then elaborate and like build from that one experience, whether you realize you learned it from that time or not. For sure, dude. I, although if you're if you're underbiking too much, like I hit a gravel road and tried to get cute today, and I double flatted. That's on me, though, man. <laughs> yeah, but like you didn't. The, there wasn't consequence to you. There's consequence Ex to the tires. Yeah, exactly, yeah. dude. And also, there wasn't any consequence in like that. I was. It was just out on an endurance ride, having fun. You know, it's like yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't a race, or I'm not getting timed or anything. You know, so it's like if I was gonna flat, that's the time to do it. Yeah, exactly. Get the mechanic yeah. a little out of the way then, right? Exactly um okay dude so Fayetteville new course um different was that like a people were comparing it more to like a like a mountain bike course like a cross-country course would you say and did you enjoy it 
Yeah, I, I think my opinion would be different if it was dry. Um, I'm a fairly small guy, not super powerful. Um, I like technical features and kind of that semi-strategy and like finding where the grip is to separate myself from others. So I think if it was dry, I would not have loved the course. Um, but with it being wet and, and super greasy, I think that was something that I, I really enjoyed. It was like a double track mountain bike race, essentially like a, like a long, short track, we'll say. For sure, dude. Like from watching yeah. the pre-ride videos, um, I was like, dude, this is going to be a really fast race. You know? And then the, obviously the weather changed at all. But yeah, it looked like from the start there, it was just a fast descent. And then there was that hill. And then you could pretty much just hit everything else, except when you get to the stairs, which was a force. Dude, how come there were no barriers? Was there a reason for that? Um, none that I'm aware of. Um, the um, stand-in like Canadian national coach for that had to be at the races was talking to the course designer, and they said like this was just like a mock-up. Let's see what works. We have a couple of ideas, but we want to make it more technical and harder moving forward. Gotcha. Okay. So that whole like upper area is actually under construction right now. Okay. Um, so I think they were kind of limited on where they could go based on where the construction vehicles were at that time. Um, like all the like team paddocks is going to be paved, but it was all dirt when we got there. Yeah. So the plan is for that whole area to be renovated in a sense. So for I think sure. the course will be vaguely similar, but there's going to be a lot of different features and elements and turns in it. Super cool, man. I didn't know yeah. that. I thought my understanding was that it was going to be, almost the same so this is good this is good news man we won't get to watch the same race twice yeah and like it, it i always think like a, a zolder or something like that like it's the same course but it's always that like little bit different they might run this one section backwards or something yep. like that so i think it, it might be more similar to that but yeah we'll see it'll be interesting needless to say awesome man then you had said i think you mentioned this earlier that fingers crossed like world champs right that, is that you're hoping to go right yeah, that's my plan. Um, based on these results, I think it, um, I'd be hard-pressed not to go. Um, I, I haven't, again, not organized, so I haven't checked the uh, the national team site yet to see if there's okay. like, any tech documents or criteria up yet. So maybe they have it posted, but generally like a top 30 is a, a requirement. So hopefully that's got that, one. dude. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. I'm, I might be going to watch dude so if i'm there i'll be sure to i'll, I'll shoot you a text man I'll, I'll be cheering for you yeah for sure honestly like well i've never loved or learned so much than watching like a world championship event like it, it's super cool to watch those top guys go through sections You're like man like i didn't know you could have that much grip in these tires and like it yeah. makes you want to go faster on your own too but i know we're jumping ahead here dude and i know like yeah. fingers fingers crossed that you're there i really hope it um but that would be your first time probably i'm guessing that like Matthew will probably be there. Vanderpool. I don't know if, if, if wow. I don't know what wow status is. Um, but then probably Pidcock and those guys, that'll be your first time racing against those guys. Right. Uh, no. Oh, you've raced against. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've raced Matthew in, um, Degaman a few years ago. Okay. Nice. So that was pretty cool. Got lapped That's very awesome, quickly, man. but it was still pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, so let's talk about that, man. Let's talk. I know we're jumping all over the place here. Do, do you want to touch um, on that? Uh, uh, Iowa before we I, like go too too far. Yeah, let's let's, let's talk about Iowa, man. What yeah, were your yeah. feelings? Because like, dude, like I wanted to say, like you are you you're you're a smaller dude, man. Like you got power, but you're a super technical rider. Technical was the word I was looking for earlier. Yeah. But dude, hitting hitting Mount Crumpet over and over, like was that just like awful, or was like ah, I had a plan? Were you, and were you riding it? Were you running it? So it all all depended on where, like, if I was in a group where I was in the group. 
first and second lap, I just didn't even try. I was like, I'm just getting off before I hit those like little barrier things. Yep. Um, and then beyond that, I, I based it based on where I was um, within a group or who I was around. Um, the next couple laps, I think I rode it once, ran it once, um, just as either I made a mistake or the person in front of me made a mistake. Uh, and then beyond that, every lap, I think I was in a group of like two or three, and there's like an unspoken rule. Whoever pulled on that straightaway through the, the start finish got to lead into crumpet nice. just as like a, you did the hardest part of the work you get to do this with the yep. which i think is super cool of athletes to kind of do that and without speaking um so yeah i hit it like i made a bad mistake this year and got a 42 11 32 setup for both both the bikes that i'm using okay and every single time i was one gear too hard so i was like a 42 28 trying to like grind up this super steep like bumpy hill it's like i hate this so much why can't it be muddy i want to run like <laughs> i don't want to do this anymore <laughs> so do you do you think if you had gone down to the 32 do you think you would have been fine yeah like at, at, um minus like three laps i did make it up every time even in that okay. wrong gear but it was just burning so many matches because using so much like um muscular energy as opposed yep. to like your cardiovascular system so just burning matches without needing to especially on a course like that, you don't really want to like burn matches without having to, just cause it's, you're just on the gas the whole time, like racing. Oh, in a pack sure. and, yeah. Yeah. What about, do you, speaking of bike setup, man, do you run that, you run the 42, 11, 32, is that kind of like your standard across maybe, maybe you change the chain ring to a 44 sometimes, or do you not do that? No? Um, okay. So this is the first time in a while I've had a, a one by setup. I'm, I'm a, big believer of like if it comes two by i'm gonna leave it two by if it comes one by i'm gonna leave it one by i don't think there's okay. a right or wrong answer um but yeah I, I, even the last number of years i've raced crossed i've had a 46 36 with an 11 30 and like twice a year i'll drop into the little chain ring otherwise i just use the 46 30 as my easiest gear and if i have to go to something smaller it's typically faster to run so i just get off and run yep so it's kind of my thinking with this setup. And I think Mount Crumpet is the only time all year where you really need anything smaller than that. Yeah. Otherwise you can kind of get away with it without worrying too, too much. Do you know, cause you see those guys. Um, I don't know if, if Vanderpool's, I think he's still two by, right? I think this can, yeah. Do you know, cause you've raced with these guys. I've always, I've always questioned this. If they go into the small ring, do you know, I mean, I know you're, do you think they do go in the small ring? Okay. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm going to just jump to Zolder just cause that's a course that I know super well. Um, like that climb that they always do on the backside or the two climbs, I should say, they always drop down in the, into the little ring. Okay. And when I say little ring, it's like a 39 tooth. Like it really yeah. isn't a little ring. I was going to say, I think um, that's like, I'm like doing like, um, when they do like the bike, whatever profiles, I think it's like a pro only. They do like the 4639. I don't know if you can get that standard. Maybe you can order it. Yeah, like you can't buy like a 4639 together, but you can buy a 46 outer ring and then buy a 39 inner ring. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but yeah, like it, I think it's kind of nice. Like on those features, it's always like steep up into like a fast straightaway or a downhill. So instead of doing like six shifts at the back, it's like, one big shift i don't have to think you don't have to think about it it's nice and yep. easy and That's you can nice, leave man. that shift to the last second like crump that you there's the last 20 minute 20 meters sorry you're like trying to downshift all the way to the top of your block 
and like you're losing so much speed going into it where if you could just like be like two gears at the back one at the front you can do that all at the same time and you can do that in 10 meters which saves energy and momentum which saves energy up the hill what was crumpet like the first time up was it just like you you, you kind of just like you got no choice right you're just going at whatever speed everyone in front of you is. yeah yeah I, got, I knew what was happening i was at the last row start as per usual so i was like kind of off the back I was like this is gonna be hectic i'm not gonna like bury myself anywhere in that first like third of the lap because yep. it's not gonna matter and then use that opportunity to look up and see like who's slowing who's like tripping and stuff like that and be like oh i'm gonna go on the right or the left side that's the fast line and like i said i'm a fairly good runner so i can use that as an advantage to kind of like weave my way through and make positions up yep but, nice nice man yeah. Yeah, I would imagine it was it was chaos, man. I'm saying like that's it looked crazy. Yeah, there's just so many. I don't know how many people I saw like grab like bikes or shoulders to like push themselves up. What is going on here? (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure there's probably some people having some conversations after you know after the race. Like, I'm sorry about that, man. I'm sorry. It was the heat of the moment. Oh, I think like the the North Americans with the Euros are just like that's racing. Suck it up. Like, let's go. Dude, so that's the other thing, man. You have, you have experience. This is a good question, man. You, yeah. I feel like, um, I was just doing a podcast about this and they were talking about on the women's side of things, like how they're like super, like they, they kind of wish the commentators were like, I wish that they were kind of like more mean to one another. I know like, and like they were talking about even the European women too, like everyone that kind of just gets along really well. But I feel like on the men's side, it is, dude, it just seems like, dude, they're just out for blood even amongst teams man i feel like sometimes you see like easter bet and like van torenhow and i'm like i know these guys are friends but they look like they're about to like punch each other right now yeah i think it's like a, an interesting dynamic it's like again like drawing from that f1 world like you're on the same equipment with people who are super similarly skilled like it really comes down to who's the best on that day and i know at world championships especially there's like um, a pecking order in a sense like they'll be like okay we want this person to win worlds so yeah. if you're Ily Izzerbit and they're like, yeah, no, we want Wout to win Worlds. And you're like, what the, what the hell? Like, I'm just as fast. I can win Worlds. But they're like, nah, you got to work. You got to work for, for Van Art today. Like that, that kind of like makes things a little bit more interesting. Like you kind of have to follow because it's your federation. They're the ones that allow you to do these races. But at the same time, you're kind of like taking a step away from your own career and your own goals and your own pursuits. So I think there's a lot of that that isn't necessarily seen or spoken of outside of like those teams and, and those spots. For sure. What about dude? So speaking of teams and tactics, and like I guess that's different at the world championships and stuff, like sort of different things at play. Mm-hmm. Do you feel in the US races or I guess in, in the even in the World Cups here, were there any team tactics at play? Because I feel like you see that, like you see like the sauces, and like sometimes you'll see like maybe the wanty guys getting in the mix, you know um what's your experience there and do you think that there is a place in cross for team tactics yeah like i i think there's a place for sure especially on courses like like iowa like those dry dusty fast courses where you can really like work together and create gaps or like try and slow people up whether that be because you're just riding tempo which is just fat hard enough where like the person behind doesn't want to pass but like they really should and kind of playing those mind games yep um as far as like seeing it happen, I'm always too far back from the action to actually see it in the later laps when it's going to actually be of value to riders. Um, but I do definitely think it happens. Like even listening to the commentators, like as I'm going through and 
trying to figure out where everyone is on course just so I know when I'm going to get pulled on those shorter courses you can hear what they're saying you're like man like these two teammates like there's one up front there's two in the group behind with another rider I bet you they're going to either slow up or like make the other guy pull tire them out and then that way if their rider up front wins then I'm sure there's like going to be some shared because whether that be through a team and a bonus or whether that be from like the rider itself just like crits like I think there is some of that coming into play for sure, man. I feel like you see that a lot with, uh, with Eli, Ellie and Ventura, the, the sauces guys, you know, like yeah. they'll send a guy up the road. A couple of guys will sit in, they'll tire out whoever's there and then they'll just go and they'll just sweep the podium, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, dude, I think we, we touched on the races. Um, I kept you for so long, but I got one final question that I wanted to ask you earlier. In your step going up, dude, from like racing U19, U23, what, and then now racing in the elites and racing in the World Cups, and you're going over to Europe, do you feel, two-part two question, yeah. what did you feel like you had to really work on as you progressed from U19 to U23 to now, and what do you find now doing the World Cups that you need to progress to work on throughout the rest of the season to like kind of like, I guess, to, to better your results? Yeah, for sure. Um, so without like going off on too much of a tangent, up until really this year, if I'm being honest, I haven't always been the greatest athlete. I've been a little bit too laid back and like, ah, I'm just, I just want to enjoy it. Like I, I've recognized at a young age that what I'm doing is super cool. And like, I just want to enjoy it and make the most of it. So maybe I wasn't as focused on training as I should be, um, which I wasn't for sure. Um, but I get it that was definitely the one thing I was lacking when I was younger. And that, that structure has slowly grown, especially over the last two years when I was, had a forceful step away um, from racing, just kind of realizing what my goals are, what I actually want to do versus what I feel I should do based on whether that be what I think societal pressures are based around racing and the racing community. Um, but I've also had a lot of, um, instances and issues in racing i've had a lot of um, concussion and, and health issues in the past so that's been a big step back every time that happens so um, learning to overcome that and coming back from where i was at to where i was before has always been like a, a big challenge and a big push um I, I didn't necessarily answer that first question but um no i think that was great man yeah that's kind of like the the vague overview um, and then moving forward, um, rest recovery. Um, I'm a little too busy for what I'm trying to do. Uh, I'm a, I work full time at a bike store, so I'm like 55 hours a week. I kind of fit my training in at like 6am, just try and sneak out before work. I do in the summer, I coach on Mondays with uh, my local cycling team, um, weekly social rides, whether that be with the shop or like just with buddies on top of that. Um, so I never really find enough time to rest and recover. So trying to make that more of a priority moving forward is, is going to be a huge step. And I think it's going to make, um, all the difference, but kind of forcing myself to be selfish is, is the issue. Dude, you seem like a very giving person. It's like, I asked you the question earlier and you're like, ah, you really want to do things about like giving back to the community and stuff, man. That's great, dude. But I do think, man, I always tell my athletes, like, race hard and then recover hard you know so like yeah. dude, i think you, you got to be selfish a little bit man um so i'm looking forward to the next time we chat when you're like 
oh man, I, I'm so well rested. I'm feeling so good. Um, yeah, I, I hope that's the follow up. Yeah, hopefully. We'll, we'll see. Just got to be a little bit more selfish, like you said. <laughs> well, dude, good luck with everything, man. Thank you so much for chatting. Dude. We chatted for 90 minutes here. I really appreciate it, dude. These are so many gems, um, so many solid takeaways here. I really appreciate it. Dude, I would love to do maybe later in the season, like a follow-up, man, and see how the rest of, uh, you know, everything's going. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'd love to do that. All right, awesome, man. Yeah. What about, so if, if people want to get a hold of you, man, what's like, I know you're on Instagram, where else can they reach you? Or is that like the best spot to get a hold of you if they wanted to pick your brain? Yeah, Instagram is probably the the best spot to do that. Um, just shoot me a message. I'm not always the fastest at, at getting back, I'm not on social media all the time. But yeah, shoot me a message or try and get back within like a day or two at the latest. Awesome, man. Always happy to answer any questions anyone has. That's great, dude. We really appreciate okay. it. Um, and like I said, I'll, I'll link the stuff in the show notes. Um, thank you so much and good luck with the rest of the season, dude. Yeah, thank you. Actually, before we end this, can I just add like one quick little antidote that uh, I yeah, just Yeah, dude, remembered? for sure. Yeah. So for, going back to that, like kind of like nastiness of like Euro cross. Remember this one story Sven told us at the, that like UCI trip I was talking about. He was like a junior under 23 and he was standing waiting in line to get up this like run up. And some guy reached over and pulled his quick release and dropped his rear wheel. <laughs> just like standing there. No idea who it was because there's like, they're like five or six wide, like all in the big huddle. And I was just like, yep, yeah, nope, you're done. <laughs> pulled his quick release and he had to like put it back on and whatever lap it was and get back going. Oh but, my gosh, dude. But yeah, like just, just kind of going back to that like Euro nastiness, kind of a funny story that I've always remembered. Dude, and I'm sure like, that uh, uh, that wasn't the first time that's happened. I'm saying maybe maybe to Sven it was. But I'm saying that was probably like this like those nasty tricks that they were pulling all over the all over the place. Oh yeah, I don't think like I think the best thing about disc brakes and like through axles is people can't do that anymore. <laughs> Not gonna carry a multi tool around to like take out a through axle. <laughs> oh man, dude, I would love. Do you have any other? Have you seen anything else? I'm just curious. Have you seen like I don't know what other tricks people would do. I'm sure there are things people can do, but. I'm sure there are other than like just like general race stuff, like chopping yeah, yeah, people yeah. in corners and like, yeah, yeah, that's kind of the well, biggest one. That I've what about that dude? What's your feeling on? And then then I'm really gonna let you go. What are your yeah. feelings on? Because we had we had this discussion again in the Discord about like the dive bomb in the corner, right? Which is like a part of racing and like, but it's not. It's totally frowned upon. Like, and it's like, dude, if you're gonna pass someone, you can do it in a better way. But what, what are your feelings? And I'm sure this must happen in the races, right? Like, you yeah. like those positions matter. So I think, I think there's two ways to go about it. You can either be like the a-hole dive bomb where it's like absolute last minute. Like the guy is like, it's taking a good line, like setting it up, like or pulled like a long straight and then you're going to dive bomb on the last second. Yeah, I think that's kind of frowned upon. But like if someone makes an attack in like a pack and you're trying to like hop on it and it's like kind of dicey, but everyone makes it through safe. No one's like really getting hurt, but you still dive bomb. You still cut someone off and chop them. I think that's totally cool, but like, don't like be like, Hey, sorry. Like, just like do like a little wave or like something yeah. just to like say, I probably shouldn't have done that. Sorry about it. But like, that's racing. I feel like it's racer's discretion, right? I feel like, you know, yeah. when what you're doing is probably a really bad idea, like leave that out when you're like, it's questionable. And like, I feel like questionable is kind of just part of racing, man. You know, it's like you're making decisions oh, sure. in split seconds. Yeah, and like even it, like if you do something questionable, like find the guy after the race, be like, "Hey, man, sorry about that." Like exactly, just dude. trying to be I think nice about it. Like that's the part we should highlight. 
that's what we should highlight, dude. Go up to the guy after the race and be like, hey, man, sorry, dude. How was your race? Yeah, man, it's we're yeah. all out there like to have a good time. And yes, we want to get results, but uh, we all want to go home in one piece, too. Yeah, exactly. We all have to be at work on Monday morning. I like, know. No one wants to like go go back in a cast because some, some guy chopped them and like, yeah, like you said, use discretion. It's what, and sure. I think it's, there's a big difference between doing it in like a, a cat three, four race versus doing it in like a, a UCI start. Like you're kind of anticipating that when you go to like a UCI start line, you're like, okay, I know what I'm getting myself into, but cat three, four, I think there's a big discretion. And I learned this as like a junior road racer where people are like, Oh, I got to win. I got to win. Like I'm doing this. Like you have, you're fit enough to be that fast, but you don't necessarily have the skills to, be that fast you know what i mean like it's that yeah. awkward transition zone at least in ontario i could be wrong in in the states but it was always interesting seeing that dynamic play out with like guys who have the skill versus not and making those moves against guys who couldn't react in time because they weren't anticipating it for sure no dude i think that's great to highlight man i feel like overall dude take a deep breath chill relax and like let the race come to you um i think that's a good way to approach it yeah exactly um dude this was awesome thank you again so much go get some sleep dude seriously yeah <laughs> oh i will <laughs> thank you right, again, Josh. what about so wait wait so when, when's your next race i know we talked about this so when are you racing this weekend um not this weekend i'll probably race next weekend okay. um but i'll be like a kind of game day decision based on how awesome. tired i am and like how training training is going that week sweet well yeah. dude good luck and thank um you. and yeah man we'll, we'll chat with you soon yeah we'll see you in falmouth for sure i'll see you there dude yeah See, see you, man. Have a good night. Thank you. You as well.